are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. few things more rewarding in life than starting a new journal for a new year. Let's see. Do I go with the mauve black, blue black, or matte black cover jacket? Who am I kidding? Matte black it is. Computer! One matte black bullet journal marked Stardate 2020 on the inner flap, please. <sighs> Sim- there you are, Spock. I've been looking all over for you. You could have just called me via comm badge, sir. No, I couldn't. I forgot to take mine off while swimming in the salt bass on the third moon of Risa. I'm still waiting for it to be fixed at the Starfleet Genius Bar. I thought the updated model was supposed to be waterproof. Apparently it is, but it is not salt-proof. Fascinating. Anyway, I'm here now with my hot cocoa and I'm ready. Ready, sir? Spock! You promised that the night after the winter solstice holidays we would gather in your quarters, drink cocoa, and share the events of our respective vacations. How could you have forgotten this? Ugh, never mind. Let's just start the show. At least our listeners haven't forgotten me. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Laura Sigarski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer, and proud owner of a new bullet journal. Hmm. I'm still working on mine from last year. <laughs> just surprising no one. <laughs> just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Captain, let me explain. I ran out of bullet journal pages three days ago, and thus I've been a bit off my scheduling game. Yes. But look, sir, I've replicated a new one. Yes. Matt Black. How very you. Captain, I am sorry. I forgot the exact date of our meeting, but I've been making a list of all the things that I have to share with you, so I did remember that we were meeting. See? Here it is in my old bullet journal. There's a whole page marked items to share with the captain. Let me look at this. Hmm. Item one. The end of war and peace. Much improved on the second reading. Considering creating a PowerPoint. Oh, it was much improved, sir. But I, I decided against the PowerPoint. Thank gods. Item two, suggest Watchmen TV series to the captain. A capital program, sir. I really think you'd enjoy it. Item three, Little Women, pros and cons. An even split, sir. But you look disgruntled? Duh, Spock. While I am relieved to know that you did not entirely forget about me during our time apart, I am frustrated by the lack of Star Wars on this list. The culmination of the entire trilogy finally dropped. Don't you have anything to share about it? No. No? No, sir, I do not. But I'd be happy to listen to your thoughts and then to segue into discussing our creature of cuteness. The one and only Baby Yoda. Okay. Um, uh, all right. I'm, I must say, 
that I I know that this opinion is going to be uh, divisive to some of our viewers, listeners. We don't have viewers. Um, <laughs> At least not yet. Even, <laughs> even Spot can't see me because I still haven't fixed my <laughs> camera. No, no, but I'm still, I'm, I'm gunning for February here, folks. Wait, no. When this drops, will it be February? Uh, I think we, we're going to drop this late January. So. Yeah, it'll be late January. So maybe by, by the next step, I'll be able to see you. Uh, here's hoping. Oh, um, fingers but, crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> if, if only it was easier to go to the Genius Bar. It's actually very, very easy. I just don't. I just don't want to do it. Okay. Um, so let's talk. <laughs> I about mean, Star Wars. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Well, you know what? I know me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've been, been in a relationship with you for over forty years, <laughs> and I am aware of the thing. I'm aware of my own limitations. <laughs> very, very honest about them. Um, but as I was saying, this will be a divisive view. To some of our listeners, because I know that the fandom is very much split on whether or not the final Star Wars of the Skywalker melange was positive or negative. Um, I liked it. I liked it. I There were lots of things that I enjoyed about it. Uh, what I enjoyed the very most and what I always enjoy the very most. I can see your face. I know You can't see my face, but I can see your face. What I enjoyed the very most is what I always enjoy the very most about Star Wars was the droids. And I loved the little droid named Dio who said no thank you. And I want one for my office. Well, I did say I would listen. (laughs) You know what I think is great? Um, mm-hmm. That there is some listeners at home, whatever your view on Star Wars, look, it's represented here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whether you enjoyed it or did not enjoy it, Captain and Spock are with you. Oh, that's true. We are, we are very, very much with you. <laughs> um, and our. Despite the fact the fact that our our producer is almost always like the silent vote on this mm-hmm. podcast, um, he is quite vocal off off mic. Yeah, I was gonna say off screen, but then I was like, nope. Again, no one can see anyone, not even me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he made this excellent point to me two evenings ago that I am gonna do my best not to to butcher right now. Um, he reminded me of something that I had forgotten, which is like way, way back, long before, you know, like the prequels or the postquels, whatever we want to call this situation, um, <laughs> over the last couple of years. Um, he reminded me that George Lucas did something that at the time I think was quite, um, maybe not innovative, but at the very least new. Um, Mm -hmm. which is after the first three were out, so four, five, and six, um, Mm -hmm. he allowed people to write and publish and, like, make their own, like, short whatevers that they wanted to make in the Star Wars universe, right? Mm -hmm. So I never read the books, but our producer was an avid reader of, like, 
that entire series of Star Wars novels that came out, right? That like detailed mm. what happened after the movies were over. And that mm-hmm. was where like Han and Leia, I think they had like twins and then they had a son and like Luke did all this stuff. And anyway, like there's there were tons of books, right? Mm-hmm. And like part of the reason that George Lucas, at least at the time, and obviously this was years ago and clearly George has changed and evolved as a human debatable about the quality of that change but nonetheless <laughs> he has changed but again at the time so this was like 80s and 90s right mm-hmm. um like part of the reason that he did this was because star wars was this it was this great moment of myth mm-hmm. yes absolutely like globally right and it captured mm-hmm. everyone's imaginations and the thing about myth about mythology is nobody owns it Correct. You can't trademark it. You can't copyright it. Like, it's kind of like in uh, that movie, The Aviator, when Leonardo DiCaprio was like, Pan Am can't own the sky. Um, it's a very similar idea, right? Like, Disney can't own a mythology. It thinks mm-hmm. it can, but it can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by allowing people to go forth and, and tell these stories in the Star Wars universe, like, George Lucas at the time was really championing that idea. Mm-hmm. When he signed on the dotted line... Star Wars over to Disney. What Disney said is Disney was like, all that stuff, we're going to call it Star Wars Legends. Mm. It's not real anymore. Oh, yeah. And they were like, we get to say that because we're Disney and mm-hmm. capitalism. <laughs> and, and our producer made the point, and I, and like, I mean, I, I very much agreed with him that like part of the tragedy is that we all maybe not all of us, but many of us nodded and said, okay. Mm. But that's not something that Disney can really do. Mm -hmm. Like Disney doesn't get to decide what is or isn't canon. What does or does not belong in this incredible myth. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to share that with, really, you know, you and, and everyone who's listening today as a way of saying that, like, regardless of what you feel about these recent films, um, I think maybe, like, getting into arguments about what is or isn't canon, what is or isn't true is kind of missing the mark because with mythology, it's all about interpretation and it's mm-hmm. all about different kinds of stories. And you, you know, <clears throat> if you loved this most recent film and it spoke to you, then it spoke to you. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's not let Disney or Kathleen Kennedy or J.J. Abrams take away the power of this myth from us. Nobody gets to decide what is or isn't canon other than the people who are co-creating and loving and participating in the myth of Star Wars. Hmm. I am sitting with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and I, it's, it's not something that I had considered. Um, we do, we get very wrapped up in canon, like as, as fandom, we get very wrapped up in canon. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, kind of our whole shtick, you're in mine is fan fiction. Right. Right. What is true for you? Mm-hmm. So what is true for me is that droids are the fucking best. And I have already started thinking about doing my other arm all in droids. (laughs) 
I don't know why that surprises me. Um, it shouldn't. <laughs> but it does. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. I, I, I still have a few months left on, on left arm, so. That's true. You know, and it's important to plan for your future. <laughs> Maybe when I turn 50. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, my big thing that I got to get over is... Um, like that I, I tend to get really angry at the the author, right? So there's that idea in like literary um criticism that the author is dead. Mm-hmm. And so you need to forget about who wrote it and focus on just like what's there. Um and like I think that's a great idea in in theory and I think it it definitely has its has its place, but I also think that there are reasons to think about the author or authors. And in this case, like part of what just gets my blood boiling about Disney and Kathleen Kennedy is that while they have come out and, and tried to tried to say what's canon and what isn't, they also have made films that rely so heavily on their audience's ability to co-create and bring meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. like when you sat down and saw this most recent Star Wars film, you saw a very different film than I did. And when I finally got around to, to watching it, within the first five minutes, I was like, oh no, I know that the captain wrote her own version of this film, and I won't. <laughs> and, oh, and I see I, what you're saying. Right? Yeah. That, like, mm-hmm. like, your version of it, like, you, like, you took, like, the images that Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams and the whole team just... Mm-hmm threw up there just threw it up there and (laughs) you created a story that had coherence and wit and puns and light Mm -hmm. and kathleen kennedy at all is like banking on on the, the the star wars audience doing that at the same time that they are coming out and trying to tear down their ability to do so by saying that you like we don't get to decide what is or isn't canon only disney gets to do that and it it just upsets me a great deal sir Hmm. because it feels like a double bind why why does it feel like a double bind it feels like a double double bind sure okay so double bind um for those of you who don't recall the last couple of times we've mentioned this. A double bind is a concept in marriage and family therapy that basically is the idea that um, someone in a position of authority says one thing while expecting the person to whom they're speaking to do the opposite of that thing. And by the virtue of their authority prevents the person from getting out of doing one or the other. And a double bind thus means that the person who's being told what to do, the listener, is in a lose-lose situation from which there's no escape. Mm. And so So on the one hand, Kathleen Kennedy and Disney is saying, fans, this is not about your creativity. This is not about the stories you tell. This is about the stories we tell. Mm -hmm. We at Disney. And yet, and yet they make movies that will only work if we as viewers go in and co-create the shit out of it. Hmm. So they tell us not to do it while creating films that, films that demand that we do it and still do things like deny us copyright, like deny us the ability to use like a cute photo of Baby Yoda. Like we would love to use a cute picture of Baby Yoda in this thumbnail, folks, but we can't do it. <laughs> 
No, we can't. No, we can't. Because Disney. And why? Why should a company of people own Baby Yoda? They can't own Baby Yoda. No. I mean, that's the thing about creating something, right? I, um, I'm thinking back to uh, when I very first um, started my yoga business, Yoga Quest. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified in the beginning that somebody was going to take it. Somebody's going to take my idea and they're going to and they're going to tarnish it and they're going to use it for evil and you know I it took me a long time to realize that I don't get to own story time yoga for nerds. Mhm. Like I yes, I came up with that idea and it resonated for people meaning that it was tapping into something in the human psyche mm-hmm. basically. To which we all have access, i.e. the collective right. unconscious. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, yeah, you, you don't get to steal my actual words, which happened once, and I had to get a fucking copyright attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, intellectual that. property attorney. Yeah. Um, but as long as you are not taking my actual words, and I'm, like, not inviting you to take my shit, listeners, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but what I am saying... Um, <laughs> Is that, yeah, you you cannot trademark a concept. That's, yeah, that's not how, that's not how humans work. No. But big companies like Disney really, really want to trademark a concept. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you know what's interesting? Moving away from the current Star Wars and just like into the, uh, the nebulous realm of... Lucas Arts. Mm. Um, I have you watched the the Star Wars documentary on Disney Plus? No. Let me ask our producer. Producer, have you watched? That is that is a hard head shake. No, fans. There there is a very similar um, audio documentary done on BBC. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, BBC Radio. And the thing I didn't love about the BBC Radio one is that they never talk about Joseph Campbell. But Mm. it it was much shorter than the one they have on Mm. Disney Plus, where they go into George's close personal relationship with our uh, one of our BFFs, Mm -hmm. our close slightly problematic uh, BFF, JC, Joseph Campbell, you know. Show me a BFF who's not problematic. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, we love you, sir. (laughs) Uh, But what I what I loved about that documentary was that's they really, I mean, they did a lot of fun behind the scenes stuff and like looked at you know how what would become LucasArts created stuff and you know that's all fun and cool but they really delved into baby George Lucas's love of mythology and how he wanted to create a myth see when I think of him as baby George Lucas Mm -hmm. I instantly have more empathy for him well how interesting Mm, I know we're going to come back to this, but I want to let you finish your point. 
Yeah, but uh, but my point being, it in his original form, in his baby George form, Aww. he <laughs> he wanted to create a modern mythology. He basically wanted to do what we do, mm-hmm. right? Create a a safe world in which his characters and the viewers can inhabit. Mm. Oh, where they could grow and play and heal. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what baby George wanted to do. And yeah. he really tried very hard to work outside of the mainstream film industry to do that. Mm. And unfortunately, like like all humans in la- in late stage capitalism, mm-hmm. he couldn't because so. his his film ran out of money and he needed someone to give him money. Mm-hmm. You know, scarcity of resources. Yep. Mhm. Right, when and I don't want to make it sound like we can never depend on other people because that's not what I'm saying. No. Um but you know, when when we team up with a monolith, they're they're going to try and take our power. It's true. And the other thing that can happen is that, you know, when you put so much time and effort and, and love into something, which like, uh, like uh, it, that's not really debatable, right? Like clearly George mm-hmm. did. Lots of other people did too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the idea that one human creates something is bullshit. One person never created anything. No. Okay. Like maybe two people did, but more likely it was like three to 10. Um, so like George did a lot, but like a lot of other people did, were very Mm -hmm. involved with this. Right. But like part of what happens when you are sort of, I think not only deeply involved in giving a lot, but also at the captain of like the captain of the ship. And I think George was the captain Mm -hmm. of the ship is that you can start to get this idea that you are, you are the one. Mm. And by nature of your position as the one and also the amount of sacrifice mm-hmm. that you've undergone, that that means that you own more of this myth mm-hmm. or have more of a say about what happens in this myth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in charting the course of, of George Lucas over time, we, we see that turn and in some ways, I mean, it's very much emblematic of this idea of, like, the Jedi and the Sith, right? Which, you know, obviously I was disappointed by this most recent film. Um, but one, <laughs> one of the things that I found disappointing is that I, I love the idea of there being kind of nuance and ambiguity in this discussion of the transition from Jedi to Sith. And this yes, idea which we that have they talked are, about before. Absolutely. And that they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're a collection of like seemingly opposing viewpoints that actually are very interrelated. And it's the conversation and dialogue between these two that is so interesting. And you see George himself kind of moving back and forth in his life along this kind of like Jedi to Sith continuum. And, you know, this, this great idea that, that he had that, you know, at least in some of the stories that we now tell in the Star Wars universe, I feel like kind of got lost was it's about trying to find balance, right? Because it's, it's mm-hmm. not that we need to go so far as to say that, like, the captain isn't important, which, sir, I would never 
ever say. Good. Um, but it's more like, can we hold, can we hold, can we do a both end? Can we hold mm-hmm. the importance of the leader and also the importance of the, of the community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I didn't mean to make this about me, um, but, you know, so naturally that can happen. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it, it takes me back to when I started Yoga Quest. And people would just be like, oh, you're the yoga quest lady. Like that, this is your, this is your thing. And, you know, as, as it grew and evolved, I'm like, I mean, it, it, it is my thing. And also it's your thing. It's, you know, I made it for you. I didn't, I didn't make it to hoard it. After I got over my initial fears that somebody was going to come in and take it. It's like, well, this is for everybody. This is about your, your experience. Not about my experience. Well, and also it's about our experience together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we could, uh, we could talk about George Lucas all day. We could, we could, and but you know, let's let's maybe let him let him rest. He's very old. <laughs> uh, There's no it, need to resurrect him. Like the emperor was resurrected, you know, some things really can just be left alone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I don't want to paint a picture like I was in love of every with every aspect of the film. I just, I I felt in my in my world, I felt satisfied with the ending. What I'm doing right now, listeners, is I'm I'm taking a lot of deep breaths. um and i'm doing that for a couple reasons one oxygen is important two due to the 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 you know real calamity that is global warming that affects us all in unique and communal ways um my asthma has been quite poor in the last couple of weeks so you know deep breathing very important three i'm having an experience that i would imagine that many of you have had when you have a close personal friend with whom you share a fandom, and they just have a different take, a different experience. Mm-hmm. And that can be a challenging, that, that can be challenging. You know, e- even if you're at a place where you're like, you know, differences, great. Um, especially like when your fandom is something that you share with a close personal friend, you can get into this habit of being like, well, we share it and we see it similarly and we tell different stories about it, but like we, they're, they're, they're interconnected in some key ways and that's great. And so mm-hmm. when your friend is like, no, 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 I, I definitely don't see it this way at all. It, I think what can happen is that it can feel hurtful. Mm-hmm. It can sometimes feel like it's happening at you. And it can start to make you question all kinds of things, not the least of which is the relationship. But the reality is that's not really what's happening. Your friend is just having a different experience. Mm -hmm. And so I find that it can be very helpful in those moments to breathe and remember that rather than moving from a place of strong reactivity which is what I would have done had I not paused and breathed. <laughs> um, yes, I, I was, so, I was uh, so, so sad that we saw this so differently. 
I know. I, I knew oh. that we would, which is part of why I avoided seeing it for so long. <laughs> which is, uh, I mean, I think it goes to the the love that we have for this particular fandom. Yes. And how how much joy we take in being able to agree and agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. But that this one was like, it it feels personal. Yeah, and and that's okay because great things mm-hmm. in life are personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one thing I definitely want to want to very much like be clear about and put out there is that like the big reason I figured that you and I would see with this differently is that I think that the way that this movie kind of lands, it like it very much hits at kind of like a, a focal point or a, a node, if you will, where I think you and I kind of like differ, sort of intrinsically as personalities Mm. i think you have the ability to see the joy and the fun Mm -hmm. in pretty much any and every fandom yeah i think that's fair um and i like it's one of the like it's one of the, the the things that like I like both both myself and our producer i remember like remarked on when when the three of us first met and mm-hmm. that we were both kind of, our producer and I were kind of in awe of about you, that you have that ability to just, like, find the joy and find the whimsy mm-hmm. um, in, like, even, like, the the, the darkest of fucking places, um, <laughs> which I think is an incredible gift, genuinely. And I think that I, as a personality, have the ability to see through a story kind of into some of like the the key figures who molded the story Mm -hmm. and if i get a bad vibe as i'm watching a story or reading a story about some Mm -hmm. of the key players involved and in their kind of motivations and create and crafting the story i have a very hard time taking the story on its own merits Mm -hmm. yeah oh well i mean i i would imagine that comes out of your your literature studies background like that's that's part of that world right like you you tear stories apart and the people who wrote them even though like the author is dead like the author isn't fucking dead Mm, i mean like it is from a certain point of view Mm. And I, well, I think you're. I think you're right. It does come. I mean, from a, I think a, Hemingway <laughs> is actually dead. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> long dead. But also, this reminds me of. I think it was an algebra teacher I had where he was talking about the specific kind of geometry. I think where mm-hmm. he was like, at some point, don't parallel lines intersect. And I was like, no. Mm. And he was like, yes, they do, Larissa, in the specific field of math. I was like. <laughs> what the fuck man <laughs> um, but yeah well i think that's true like i think that's that's certainly part of my training but i think there, but i think there's before that i was there was a reason that i was like drawn to that and i think part mm-hmm. of the reason i'm drawn to that is that i you know i i like sort of playing with taking a story and using it to kind of it, like backtrack into the person from or persons more accurately stated mm-hmm. from whence the story came yeah i that's absolutely where we differ 
mm-hmm. because I, as soon as the story is there, it's mine. Like, I don't, <laughs> not that I don't care who came up with it, but I, I mean, like, it's out in the world. I, th- this is in my head canon now and I'm going to do what I want with it. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Here's the story. What am I pulling out of it? Droids? Babu Frick. That's what I'm pulling out of it. Yeah, Babu wasn't so bad. Oh, thank God you said that. My my partner was very worried that I, he he was like, did, did you ask Larissa about Babu Frick? I'm like, oh, after what she said about Dio, I didn't even go there. He was very concerned. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, my partner but what was about like, Babu Frick? My partner was like, you know that you can hold space for other interpretations, right? And I was like, I know that. <laughs> I was like, just stop right now. And he was like, oh, okay. All right. Yep. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh-huh. Good to know. Um, I don't think I was, I was helped by the fact that I saw this film in the heart of suburbia, which, as you know, is always going to put me in a very challenging headspace. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot <clears throat> that you were out in the burbs when you saw this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't help anyone. Not let alone. <laughs> and cer- certainly not Babu Frick. <laughs> So let's let's move away mm-hmm. from where we disagree. Yes. Uh, uh, listeners, I hope that you are able to observe how Larissa and I are able to disagree and even disagree strongly mm-hmm. and not have it be a thing. Mm-hmm. Because you can also do that. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, you can... You can hold differing opinions, even about things you feel strongly about. Mm-hmm. As as long as no one is being harmed. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but there is something in the Star Wars world that we agree on so much. So much. And, I, and I'm excited to now be back on the same page because God. that sparks a lot more joy for me. Mm-hmm. Me too. When we're on the same page, even when we're on the same page and we hate something, that feels a lot better than being on different pages. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's quite an unsettling experience. Yeah. Like, uh, uh we don't agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not going to like my droids. Um, there's going to be so many of them. I know. Uh, I mean, like, here's the thing. The droids were really, were very cute, but I felt like the droids were deployed as propaganda. <laughs> mm-hmm. You yep. have the most serious face, and I know that you mean this seriously. I know, I do. Mm-hmm. I could write a whole paper about it, let alone <sighs> a PowerPoint. Um, but we're, we're going to move away from that, and we're going we're gonna to go to the place that is beautiful and amazing, and nothing hurts. And nothing hurts. And I will say that as soon as I saw the face of this character, um, because you, of course, you watched, you you encountered this character first, and mm-hmm. bless you, completely kept it to yourself, and mm-hmm. I had avoided all spoilers. And so when I, when I experienced the character's reveal, it was one of, it was an, it was like, it was a moment of pure joy. Mm. Pure joy. And I did not give a fuck who created this character. It was not important to me. I was like, this belongs to all of us. Mm-hmm. 
and that is the child colloquially known as baby Baby yoda Yoda. Mm -hmm. and i know john favreau doesn't want us calling him baby yoda and to that i say fuck you john favreau jesus christ john favreau grow up man grow up (laughs) it is 2020 the planet is dying we all need to get together on this you don't own things okay ownership is an illusion you can't take it with you You know, he's brought us so many great things. He just, he needs to take a, he needs to take a page out of what we're talking about and just, mm-hmm. you know, he's holding on with both hands and both feet. Like, just release. Release, buddy. Let go. Let go. <laughs> like Baby Yoda does. Baby Yoda lets go. All the time mm-hmm. he's letting go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not going to stop calling him Baby Yoda, so. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> so Whatever. <laughs> Uh, yes, I I am curious though. Mm-hmm. Just just to dip a toe back into our previous <laughs> topic. Just for like a second. Just for a second. <laughs> what is it about baby Yoda that is a light of pure joy mm-hmm. and not the feeling that this was created to mass for mass market appeal? Sure. Um, because absolutely there were people involved um who uh, were totally all about the lunchbox Mm -hmm. (laughs) lunchbox cinema um i think a couple things i think one i think despite my frustration with john favreau i think that he (laughs) i i think that he has he's kept a hold of his baby john favreau Mm. and that allows him to create some truly transcendent characters that are mm-hmm. that are symbols of a great archetypal power. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do a shout out right now to a video game Control, which I know you haven't played, sir, um, but it's a great game. You've heard me talk about it a mm-hmm. lot because it's like full of Jungian archetypes. Oh, is that the one where you literally see Jungian archetypes? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there are two types of like like objects that can have archetypal power. And one is called... Um, an altered object. What's the other one called, Brian? An... Yes. Okay. So thank God for a producer who's really, really good at names and memory. <laughs> um... Okay. So the two things in the game, altered items and objects of power. Altered items are things that have like a little, a little dab, a little dab of archetypal power. Um, they're unstable objects. You don't know what they're going to do, and they're not going to give you much of any power. They're just going to kind of fuck up your shit, basically. So all of the droids in the last film would be altered items. Hmm. Now, someone who already has some archetypal power could take those altered items and make them objects of power, theoretically, which I would argue is something that you are able to do, sir. Hmm. But objects of power are like distilled. It's it's like a distillation of a of an of an archetype. So it's mm. it's like raw mythic power, and anybody who encounters it is they're either going to be you know overcome, i.e., killed by it, or they are going to be like leveled up in vid- in video game speak. Mm. And I think one baby Yoda is definitely an object of power. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. No problem. 
Well, I was curious because, mm-hmm. you know, I knew your intense and, you know, fervent love of Baby Yoda. It's true. And then to, he- and then to hear the thoughts about the droids, which I see very similarly. Mm-hmm. I, I, but I see how you see them differently. Well, I don't think I have the ability to make altered items into objects of power. Really? Yeah. I feel like we'll explore this more on our next app when we talk about magic. Yes! Oh, that's going to be great. I'm very excited. At any rate, <laughs> Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's amazing. <laughs> oh, and I should probably, we should probably like name what like archetype we feel like Baby Yoda is like a complete distillation of, and it is mm-hmm. the inner child. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I, what I love is that they, they call this character the child. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I'm not going to do that. Um, I, th- <laughs> I thought it was very wise to use that name. Yeah. Because it is, for those who are not as steeped in uh, Jungian psychology and mythology as we are, mm-hmm. yes. you might need that handed to you. Yeah, that's absolutely. And and yes, mm-hmm. folks, Jung did have an archetype called the child. Mm-hmm. It's in there, volume nine, I think it is, of his collected works. Of course you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> you, it is, you don't it have is it li- right there next to the computer? No, it's on my bedside table. Is that a real thing? That's real. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, not an exaggeration, folks. Not part of the radio play. A hundred percent on my bedside table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but uh, we also we blogged about this for Psychology Today um, mm-hmm. because when when we saw Baby Yoda, we're like, why do we love him? And uh, th- this creature and spoilers, has spoilers. Assigned... It's not. It's not because we want to eat him. Uh, and we have arbitrarily assigned this creature male pronouns. We have no idea what the child's gender identity is. Um, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, I, I was going to say that like it, it seems like it, it feels like the child is gender non-binary. Mm-hmm. And I think it just it very much is reflective of the age in which you and I both went to school. Right. Because <laughs> sure. Default to he. That we default to he, right? Because mm-hmm. here's the thing, Zoomer listeners. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard to be a millennial, an aged millennial. And it's also I'm hard to be X. a Gen X. And part of what makes it hard is that there's a lot of decolonization of the mind mm-hmm. that the captain and I are doing on a regular basis. And it is as painful sometimes as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it's still a work in progress. And this is a great example of it still being a work in progress that like we totally default to calling baby Yoda he mm-hmm. um, because that used to be back in the day, the pronoun set that meant either male or other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. That was, uh, I remember very vividly doing homework assignments where you didn't know it was he. Mm-hmm. I remember getting assignments back being like, Obviously, it's he. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay. All right. All right. Third grade. Breaking dreams. (laughs) (laughs) So so the child. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the child. I'm, I'm going to attempt, because we don't know, an attempt to use they, them for, for the child, because we Me do too. not know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Here we go. Um, yep. Here we go. Breaking old habits, um, because the child can't tell us. Uh. <laughs> not yet, even though they're 50. <laughs> Yeah, I, unfortunately, I was spoiled. I knew that the child was going to appear because oh. I live on the internet, and uh, that's true. Memes appeared fucking immediately. Yes. Um, and I, well, I really, I had had no particular interest in the Mandalorian. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, side quest, whatever. Um, and oh my god, after I saw the child memes, I was like, I'm in, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm in. Let's watch the Mandalorian. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I saw this all the coming all the way back to uh before our our gender uh conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh you and I were very curious about what was it about baby Yoda that spoke to us on such a deep and visceral level. And so we sat down to write write a blog post because that's, you know, uh, that's what us nerds do. Uh, (laughs) When we've discussed it enough between ourselves, we decide we need to tell everyone else our thoughts. Um, And what came out as we started to write was that the baby Yoda taps into an archetypal childlike part of ourselves mm-hmm. that that we see as being vulnerable because you know you first meet baby yoda and and they're just you know seems so small and scared and um you know completely vulnerable and i recall you you watched it before i did um and you were like i was just so worried i was so worried i'm like you you know that the child's gonna be fine and you're like i don't know but i don't know (laughs) literally every episode i was just on like this the edge of my sofa because i was like terrified that something bad was going to happen to them Mm -hmm. and their little and their little their little hover bassinet hover bassinet (laughs) that you and i realized together look like a death star Which was just perfect because, like, like out of out of the death and chaos comes Baby Yoda, the mm-hmm. seat of like all compassion, curiosity, and playfulness. Mm-hmm. Right, which is what all of us a- adult humans ha- still have inside of us. Yep, and living in this culture it it gets metaphorically beaten out of us quite early or or shoved down very far you know in this or 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 like put another way because i've thought about this a lot and i also sort of tied it into ifs in part because you know i mean i got in your head (laughs) yeah your work really bleeds into my work um i i actually used use the the word seance in a session this last week (laughs) Oh, oh, that's. I was like, joy. I was like, I know this is. Gonna, I was like, I know this is going to sound weird, but it's kind of like a seance, and I don't mean it literally. I mean, like you know, metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, God or bless they, this person. Did they roll with you? They did. <laughs> you know, really, hats off to them. 
um, more than anything else. But <laughs> but I was thinking about like in IFS, so all these different parts that kind of are sort of split off from the self. What they're trying to do, as misguided as they are sometimes, is to protect that which is most treasured. Mm -hmm. And each of us has our own, our own like inner the child, inner baby Yoda, and and we're trying to protect that because it's so it's not just fragile, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is the heart of what kind of makes us human. The heart of what allows us to connect and to create and to grow. And especially if we're exposed to a lot of kind of hostile external forces at a young age, we, you know, maybe we don't get a Mandalorian. Mm. We need to be our own Mandalorian. And so we try to be our own Mandalorian. But if we're like, if we're 50 year old baby Yoda, we're not equipped to do that. Like we have many amazing mm -hmm. skills, right? Like we learn in the first step that like baby Yoda can use the force, but, but we're still, but like he's, they're still a baby. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that they can protect themselves in the way they need to be protected. And so we, we each, we do the best we can. Um, but we can't, as children, be the equivalent of an adult. Mm -mm. And so our version of protection can become hiding. And sometimes we hide our baby Yoda even from our conscious self. Mm. I, I see you pausing as mm -hmm. if for me to say something. <laughs> yes, I was. I thought that perhaps you and your IFS training would like jump in here. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm kind of, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. So I know shocker. Um, I'm actually, I'm headed to my next IFS training this weekend. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's where my head's at. I'm like, you know what? I'm about to just be swimming in IFS. Yeah, uh, so part of you might be like, oh, I need a break from that. <laughs> um, it'll probably come back around. But um, I, th where I was headed when I was saying that this part gets metaphorically beat out of us, what I mean mm -hmm. is that childlike parts... Oh, see, we're right back to parts. Um <laughs> I took a break for like five seconds. I'm, uh -huh. Now I'm back. Um, the thing about childlike parts is that they are not respected. Childlike parts, um, generally speaking, until we understand mm -hmm. how valuable they are and what they mean and what they can bring to our lives, generally speaking, childlike parts are seen as being a hindrance. Right? Oh, just like Mando thinks that initially Baby Yoda is going to be a hindrance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. this ki this kid's getting all into my shit, and he he, he keeps pulling the ball knob off the thing, oh, and right. <laughs> turning the music on and off. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I need to live my life, my my life of the way, of mercenaryism right. to mm -hmm. help build my people back up, because right. I'm a symbol for the Jewish diaspora. <laughs> I do not have time for another time. <laughs> I do not have time for this tiny little green baby who's 50 mm -hmm. and still a baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got I got no time for this. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm important and grown up. And like that's what we do 
as people. Our childlike mm-hmm. parts pop up and we're like, I don't have time to nurture you, childlike part, and give you the opportunity to play with a silver ball. Like, right. I am in the middle of a very important presentation. Go away. <laughs> and what we know about baby Yoda and therefore our inner children is that they won't just go away. They get more persistent. Mm-hmm. You know, just like any other human being, when we say, get the fuck away from me, they don't just like doff their cap and say, oh, apologies, sir. I'll be on my way. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's this childlike part that's basically poking you and saying, I have something important to tell you. 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 And <laughs> if you say, get the fuck away from me, like, yeah, it might go hide for a while, but then it's going to come back and be like, I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting my needs met. And I I love, I love this image of baby Yoda as our internal, our inner child. Mm-hmm. Because who can, who can imagine that part of themselves just desperate for attention and not find a way to give that part that attention? Well, I mean, I mean, you can if you picture it as Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. as an adult, we're our primary experience with our inner child is often sort of irritation, mm-hmm. because we're seeing simply the the impact of the distraction. We're often not pausing long enough to turn around and look at the inner child. Mm-hmm. But if we turn around and look at our child, what we're going to see is we're just going to see Baby Yoda. And, and you can't, I mean, if you're a person who looks at Baby Yoda and is not overwhelmed with feelings of light and love and joy, you need some help. That's my brother-in-law. I know. Some, I told him. I was like, I'm, I'm concerned about you. Yeah. To be fair, he has not watched The Mandalorian. He's just seen the memes. And from the memes, he said he's not going to watch it. And I'm like, you're... I'm concerned about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is not coming from a place of judgment. It's like, concern. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm worried about your inner child right now. Yeah. Brother-in-law. Yeah. When if was the last see... time you checked in, to, checked in on them? Right. If you see the inner child and your immediate reaction is, get that away from me. Mm-hmm. Might be time to do a little introspection. Sorry to call out my brother-in-law. But I'm sure you're an excellent human in many ways, brother-in-law. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the pod. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know. But maybe one day he might. <laughs> and I wouldn't want um, him thinking that this came from any other place than a place of genuine care and concern. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. For his, for his inner, for his inner child's well-being. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. And I just, I just think of little baby Yoda and little, like tiny little walk. Oh. His tiny little walk, his tiny little bowl of bone broth. Oh, yes. His, like, little, like, coos and squeaks. You know, the <laughs> other thing that I really loved about 
the way that they depicted, particularly the relationship between Baby Yoda and Mando, is that Mando never tries to exploit Baby Yoda's gifts. Mm-hmm. And let me explain what I mean by that. So, like, Baby Yoda, despite the fact that they are completely vulnerable, mm-hmm. I mean, they're a baby, right? Um, yeah. they, they have incredible powers. Yep. And sometimes in family systems that aren't functional or functioning mm-hmm. optimally, part of what can happen is that um, young children can take on roles that are inappropriate to their age. Because the family is trying to survive, do the best it can. Mm-hmm. And so, what that would look like literally would be that the baby Yoda in the family would then, because they have this incredible power, this gift of healing, this gift of the Force, they would be put in positions where they would be expected to use that on the reg to mm-hmm. help the family. Right. And while there are times when Baby Yoda does use their gifts to help, you know, different sort of, mm-hmm. like, friends slash uh, mm-hmm. uh, family members, the one of the scenes that I loved so much in the beginning was that, like, the Mandalorian is injured after having saved the baby. Mm-hmm. And Baby keeps getting out of their bassinet trying to use the Force to heal the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. And Mando, uh, like, every time picks Baby up and puts them back in their bassinet. Mm-hmm. And the way that I read that scene was that like at that point, like even though Mando hadn't like made up his mind that like he was going to become the child's surrogate parent, mm-hmm. he understood that the child was a child and should be treated as such. Mm-hmm. And he did not want the child to heal him mm-hmm. because that wouldn't be appropriate. Mm-hmm. He's an adult. And he was conveying a very powerful message to Baby Yoda, which was, yes, I see you and I, I see your gifts. And they belong to you. Did that happen after Mando knew about his gifts? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so, like, yeah, the argument could mean that, like, maybe yeah. he didn't know what the baby was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he clearly had a sense that the baby, like, the baby was trying to, to take care him. of him. And take yeah. care of him. And so mm-hmm. even though at the time he didn't know about the baby's gifts, he knew what the baby was trying to do. And he was like, no, no, baby, that's not your job. Mm-hmm. My job yeah, is to I, is to do the, the taking care of. Mm-hmm. And like and that continues throughout the series. Like at no point is he turning to baby and being like, Baby, get me out of this mercenary camp or like <laughs> like baby, use use the force. And in fact, it's like I think the second to last ep when our friend Carl Weathers is like, Baby, do the thing with the hand. <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> and baby looks at him and literally just like shakes his hand and makes a weird noise, <laughs> clearly mocking him. Right, <laughs> right, and we, and that's it, such a powerful statement because the baby's being like, "I'm a baby. That's not appropriate." <laughs> yeah, I I loved that scene because it it's such a contrast because Carl Weathers is clearly like, like I love this baby. This baby saved my life, and right. also like the baby has powers. Make the baby use the baby powers. Right, and, and Mando's like, Nah, I can't make oh. him do it. Mm-mm. that's that's not that's not okay and that little right. exchange is hilarious because it is baby baby yoda's like oh we're waving <laughs> hi carl weathers 
<laughs> That's right, because it's just, oh, it's all so perfect. And very much like you could see how Carl Weathers could become the Star Wars version of like a stage parent. Oh, absolutely. Use your, yeah, uh, got to do my, my Mama Rose impression. Smile, baby. <laughs> exactly. And Mando is like, get that away from me. We're not doing, you know, you're not going on the stage. This is absurd. <laughs> Take that makeup off. We're going home. <laughs> yeah well and um i i used uh baby yoda and mando in session just recently they've been coming up a lot oh god i'm using baby yoda left right and center yeah but yeah coming up so much in so session. much and i i even i caught myself saying and it was wild and i totally thought of you um because a couple folks i work with they were like yeah Loris, i'm familiar with this um but it would only be the memes and i said to them that's fine. You don't even you don't even need to see the show. The memes are enough. <laughs> I mean, the memes are enough. They are enough. But like for those of you who know me, like I historically have been like the person who's like, go back to the text, consult the text, read War and Peace. <laughs> right? You have to go go back to the archives. And like, which baby you Yoda... literally did. That is not yeah. a joke. Every time no. I checked in with you recently, you were reading War and Peace. That's true. Well, I, I needed to finish it before 2020. <laughs> um, but Baby Yoda has allowed me to free myself of that and like transcend it. It's been great. Well, and that and that's the power of the inner child that that is manifest, mm-hmm. and that we have given a face and a name to. Um. And what, what came up in session recently for one of my clients was we were talking about embracing play. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, where is play in your life? And uh, how do you find balance, right? This is a conversation I have with people all the time is, well, if I give over to, the, give over to this playful <laughs> part of myself, um, I, I'll never want to do anything that I'm supposed to do ever again, right? Mm. And to that, I would say, well, that that's why we have we have inner children and we have other inner adult parts. But right. can we can we bring some of the some of the energy of Mando, some of that um, parenting, in this case, would be self parenting energy to our playful time so that, you know, our baby Yoda is supervised. And can we bring some baby Yoda into our Mandalorian getting shit done, trying to survive life? Can we bring some joy into the work and some, um, some structure into the joy? Beautifully said, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a gem. Mm-hmm. Today's oh. gem. Today's gem. A love ended on a good gem. <laughs> well, but that also means that we have we've reached the end of this particular baby Yoda voyage. Mm-hmm. I'm just such a big fan. Baby Yoda brings me much joy. The memes bring me a lot of joy too. Mm-hmm. I love the Werner Herzog uh, saying, uh, "I would like to see the baby," and like everybody's <laughs> been sharing that one, like me at the beginning of every Mandalorian episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. I also love the anecdote from Set that, like, because Werner Herzog is this. Oh, yeah. He has a reputation of being stuffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they interviewed him what he thought about Baby Yoda, and he was like, oh, he is heartbreaking. <laughs> he wept when he saw him yeah them, <laughs> when he saw them and you know i'm like you know, werner you're doing something right <laughs> right yeah mm-hmm. he, uh werner herzog looked at baby yoda and said to himself this is my inner child the child must be protected yes mm-hmm. i mean and whether that was a like, play yeah, whether that was a conscious thought he had or not. I mean, w- breaking down into a frenzy of weeps over seeing a Muppet is, I mean, that's something I do. Yes. Uh, daily. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it's, but it's what Muppets are to me that make oh. me want to weep. You know, sir, we really got to get you to watch Dark Crystal. Mm. Weeping Muppets? Weeping Muppets trying to resolve global warming. It has everything. (laughs) It does. Sounds like it does have everything. (laughs) I'll I'll add it to the list for when I'm caught up on Supernatural. The Evergrow. All right, well, it'll, it'll be a little while then before we, we do that up. All right, um, folks, before we wind down here, we talked about a lot of things today. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about the inner child. We talked about uh, internal family systems therapy, IFS. We talked a little bit about family systems, the collective unconscious, Carl Jung, the power of myth, the double bind, always a double downer. Uh, Joseph Campbell. We didn't directly name Roland Barthes, but we very much were referencing his idea, the idea that the author is dead. And then last, but certainly not least, shout out to Yoga Quest. Shout out to Yoga Quest. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. He's hugging his inner baby Yoda right now. Join us for our next ep on The Witcher. Change is magic. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, live long and and prosper. prosper.